feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight, breaking news as you are tuning in to the Rita Cosby Show. Continued shelling happening in many major cities across Ukraine tonight. And of course, the country on high alert. Also, some details about the staggering nature of this war. There are estimates that six and a half million people have now been displaced in Ukraine. What a stunning number in just the past few weeks. And that three million people have indeed become refugees and left the country. That is an enormous amount. Six and a half displaced within the country. Three million fleeing the country for other countries. And now also word coming From a U.S. think tank, this is the Center for Global Development, indicating that there are going to be extreme poverty issues coming from the war in Russia against Ukraine. This is a staggering number, saying that it may push 40 million people into extreme poverty as a result of this military action, this full-scale invasion, that the price of war may go very, very far and very, very reaching. Again, a stunning number about those who have been affected. Meantime, well, President Vladimir Putin keeps talking and tries to spin it like it's some great victory so far. There are reports, thank goodness, that there are a number of people, even in the Russian military, that are saying they're fed up. There are reports, believe it or not, that some Russian troops have been shooting themselves in the legs to avoid fighting in Ukraine because they're getting some word that it ain't going so well. And there are reports that thousands upon thousands of Russian troops not only have been killed in the Ukraine war, but also many of them seriously injured. So there are a lot of reports that Russians are now starting to get the word that things are going so well, that maybe this isn't the right kind of war to be a part of. So tonight, I want to hear from all of you as to what you think needs to happen next. And what do you make of the war of propaganda? Because, boy, it has gone high voltage today. First, we have Vladimir Putin, who did this massive rally in Russia. And he was citing biblical passages. This is amazing. Here he is. You know, we're hearing reports, again, of troops shooting themselves in the leg. We're hearing of these atrocities, these unbelievable war crimes and, you know, the leveling of the theater, of the hospital, buildings. And in fact, in some areas, almost 100 percent of the buildings are leveled. I mean, the numbers are staggering. And yet, if you listen to Vladimir Putin, this is a righteous war. This is a righteous move. And talk about propaganda. Here he is in Moscow, and it is a filled stadium. And there's about 200,000 people. Some people are estimating that we're in the stadium and told to gather around the stadium. And I say told because there are a lot of reports coming from, in fact, the BBC was able to sneak in people into the stadium. 
And they actually were interviewing people in the stadium who were saying, "Um, I'm a uh, government worker and Vladimir Putin's people told me I needed to show up. So you can take that crowd of 200,000 with a grain of salt. They were basically, uh, you will show up or else today, Uh, basically ordered by the government to show up. But it sent an image to the world that there was this enormously packed stadium And there is Vladimir Putin and Russia's version coming out looking like a gladiator they're trying to make him look like. Um, This evil monster dictator, but having him look like, oh, he's the rising of the second coming as he's walking out onto the stage by this adoring crowd. Again, maximum Russia propaganda. And there he is defending why they are doing this brutal assault on civilians in Ukraine. Take a listen as he cites biblical verses too operation we uh, started in donbass and in ukraine this is the the objective this is the aim and you know i remember these uh, words from from the bible there is no other love other than if uh, someone gives soul for their friends words from the scriptures and we are seeing the heroic deeds of our guys in this operation there is no greater love than going in and slaughtering innocent women and children in ukraine i mean how shameful and disgusting is this rhetoric coming from the president of russia with this, like, photo opportunity, you know, with you know, might as well have fireworks in the background and, and all this other stuff. And to me, I think this is a sign of a guy who is worried about the impact that Zelensky has had. Because you think about it, Zelensky this week was awesome, I thought, when he was there before U.S. Congress doing his virtual speech. Um, many people are equating him to sort of Churchillian, you know, on turbocharge, basically. Because think about this moment, this pivotal moment. He is the most wanted man in the world uh, by the Russians. And yet he's going out and meeting with wounded soldiers. He's meeting with different world leaders who are coming into the war zone to meet him. He's doing these, you know, unbelievable meetings and conferences with U.S. Congress, addressing U.S. Congress, addressing the German government, addressing Canada. Next week, I think he's going to Japan. I mean, all these big, big statements, and he's getting the world stage, and people are applauding him and embracing him, as I think they should. And then you've got Putin saying, okay, let's create this great photo op. I need some airtime. So what do you make of the fact that he did this now? Obviously, he did it also, by the way. It's the anniversary of them going into Crimea. So this was, in his mind, another day of victory to be able to say, hey, I got that part. Now I'm getting Ukraine, everybody. You know, and next step, who knows what? But what do you make of the fact that he's citing the Bible? Is this a sign of desperation that he is trying to create this sort of grandiose impression for the Russian people, that he's trying to create this sort of made-for-TV moment, these big rallies, and trying to, you know, say, oh, look, look how much the Russian people love me. Look how much the world loves me. Is there anybody there that loves him? Even the people in the audience basically were told, you better show up or else. 
guess what? You may not survive another day in Russia if you don't show up and clap like lemmings. <laughs> you know, hey, hurry up. Oh, and make sure when you're looked at that you smile. Make sure you do all those things too, okay? So here is a little bit more of Vladimir Putin. And this is what he said. He said his soldiers, contrary to what many reports are on the ground where soldiers are saying, wait a minute, I'm going to shoot myself in the leg to get out of here, to say I'm injured so I can get out of this horrible mess. Uh, There are also reports of them saying, the ones who've been captured, saying, I wasn't told that I was coming in to basically slaughter women and children. I was told to do some drill or exercise. There's all this misinformation that seems to be coming left and right. Because if Putin said, hey, you're going in to level a hospital or level a theater, guess what? A lot of them might not go. But he still claims that all the soldiers are out there just cheering their moment on, that this is one great Russian victory. Here's a little more of Putin talking at that massive rally. We can see how heroically our soldiers are acting and fighting in this operation. Shoulder to shoulder, they help and support one another. They help and support one another, and boy, they're so happy to be there, contrary to all the different reports that we are hearing and seeing. Meantime, I think my favorite moment of the rally today with Vladimir Putin was this moment where suddenly his mic gets cut off. He's just about to talk about the invasion of Crimea. He's talking about like the good old days in his mind after he recites the Bible and all these other things. And then at some point, suddenly his mic gets cut off and they go to music. And the Kremlin says it was just a technical glitch that something just kind of happened. Now, I believe this is my gut. Remember that story of where you saw the newscaster, the Russian newscaster, who was out there and suddenly the other one comes behind her with the sign and says, we do not want the war and interrupts it. And that woman again got arrested and now has to stand trial for espionage and traitorism and all that other stuff, treason to the country. Uh, but she came across and here was a, you know, a newscaster. My bet, and I want to hear your thoughts too, is that there was somebody out there who said, you know what, let's just cut him off. I don't want to listen to this hogwash. This guy is like full of it. He is nuts. I can bet whoever hit that glitch, quote, by accident, maybe may not be remaining much longer, maybe liquidated in Russia, but they're trying to make it sound like, oh, it was just some technical snafu. Take a listen and you be the judge if you think it was just a, quote, technical snafu. Listen, this is him talking about the good old days of when they went in to Crimea. So happened that the beginning of the operation coincided quite accidentally with the birthday of one of our most outstanding. It just so happened that I was about to rave about this incredible leader that we have that galvanized all of us to slaughter people in Crimea that we're about to do again. And suddenly that mic just cut off. What an inconvenient time. So what do you make of that, everybody? Are there more people in Russia who are trying to get the word out and trying to do the right thing, despite what this evil dictator is trying to you know, portray to the rest of the world in these grandiose and unbelievable different displays of fake 
propaganda, fake love, fake, you know, adoration for a war that is getting more and more brutal and more and more horrific. Well, listen, the good news is in the middle of all this, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger. So we got the counteroffensive. We have the Terminator who came out and he himself is doing his own message to the Russian people. And it's actually pretty interesting because Arnold Schwarzenegger is actually beloved in Russia. There's a couple stars that are really, really well known in Russia. Um, apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Steven Seagal, no surprise, a couple of these others uh, that are quite well known. So I hope Steven Seagal finally steps up and says the right thing and follows Arnold Schwarzenegger. But here is Arnold Schwarzenegger with his message to the Russian government. And I love this. Here's a little bit more. Uh, we played a little bit last night, but here's a little bit more because this is, I think, really powerful. I think this is one of the best messages yet, quite frankly, to the Russian people. And it's actually pretty amazing because Arnold Schwarzenegger's father um, actually fought with the Nazis. So he's saying, listen, my father lived till the day he died, regretted that he was with the Nazis that he fought. There was so much pain and so much grief and so much horror. And he said, listen, don't get swallowed up in this propaganda, Russian people. Understand what the real message is. Take a listen. Here is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I want to get your take on his message compared to Putin's. The Russian government has lied not only to the citizens, but to its soldiers. Some of the soldiers were told they were going to fight Nazis. Some were told that the Ukrainian people would greet them like heroes. And some were told that they were simply going on exercise. They didn't even know that they were going into war. And some were told that they were there to protect ethnic Russians in Ukraine. None of this is true. None of this is true. And then he said, listen, here's a direct appeal to the Russian people from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Why would you sacrifice this young man for your own ambitions? To the soldiers who are listening to this, remember that 11 million Russians have family connections to Ukraine. So every bullet you shoot, you shoot a brother or a sister. Every bomb or every shell that falls is falling not on an enemy, but on a school or a hospital or a home. I know that the Russian people are not aware of such things are happening. So I urge the Russian people and the Russian soldiers in Ukraine to understand the propaganda and the disinformation that you're being told. Wow. I actually think that is one of the best messages yet. What do you think? Do you think that this can break through? And what do you think might change the conscience of the Russian people? Is it going to take their sons and daughters coming back in body bags? That'll definitely have some impact when the word gets out that there have been such severe losses. But what do you think is going to hit? Could it be a celebrity or somebody like that? Or do you think they're listening to the hogwash of Vladimir Putin in the middle of all this? Well, when we come back, we're going to take your calls. Plus, also coming up on the show, and I love this, in just about 10 minutes, we are going to have one of my favorite segments, Back the Blue, that we do here every night on the Rita Cosby Show, honoring our great men and women in uniform. And in just about an hour from now, we are going to have Asia expert, Gordon Chang, he is going to talk about Biden's call with the Chinese leader that sounds like it didn't get barely any results. That and a lot more coming up on The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. 
Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, new reports of dozens of victims in the town of Mykolaiv in Ukraine after a shelling and an airstrike. The mayor just saying a little bit ago that the city was fired upon from close range, so there was no time to even sound the air raid sirens in that town. That's a town that has been hammered very much by the Russian military. Also, Russia has fired, there are, according to reports, 1,080 missiles at Ukraine since the start of the invasion overall. So some stunning numbers. And now Russia saying, by the way, uh, that anybody who's basically transporting weapons to Ukraine, that the cargo, any of those convoys that are moving them into Ukrainian territory, They say if they're carrying weapons and they believe they're carrying weapons, they would, quote, be fair game, that they are, quote, legitimate targets for Russian troops. So does that mean that if suddenly U.S. sends in military supply and other stuff, that suddenly we will see those convoys targeted first and foremost by Russia? That could mean like a whole slew of U.S. military, NATO supplies uh, coming in. And we already saw them targeting that airport just outside of Lviv. Um, So, boy, they are hitting everything and saying that everything is now, quote, a legitimate target. We're taking your calls, everybody. What do you think of this propaganda war that's taking place by Putin, trying to make it sound like everything is peachy keen and what they're doing is basically in the Bible? Unbelievable. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, your thoughts about all this? Okay, Rita, this is a sign of weakness, and, and we can see the weakness. We can glean the weakness from his consistency. First, he psychs out uh, Biden with the nuclear war threat right away, gets, quote, unquote, in our eardrums, and now he's trying to psych out the Russian people. Okay, by the way, before, just let me segue quickly. Uh, I mentioned that Maria Anaskiova, the journalist, she was fine. She was not subject to any imprisonment. She was merely fined administratively. Yeah, no, yeah, because- yeah, yeah. What I said was that she was taken into custody and then they let her out. You're right. I was, by the way, I actually was surprised that they let her out. I thought that was interesting. Interesting. The reason is because she's more than a journalist. This woman is a sex symbol. If you look at her, and Putin wants to show that he's a man. If he, if he would, uh, if he would wait, wait, wait. So, her, wait, you mean are you trying she, to say, Larry? Are you trying to say if she wasn't attractive, he would have jailed her? Is that what you're saying? Well, listen, if you want to look at the superficiality of Putin, that's probably I'm saying something along those very lines. He cannot risk somebody very attractive and and gutsy at the same time. Don't forget, it's a combination of, of looks and gutsiness. He cannot look like like he's not a man. He has to show that he has an appreciation of a woman. He's a big macho guy, you know? Now, so that's why he's misapplying the law. Now, this also shows weakness, okay? Now, what I want to say is this, and I hope Washington is listening. What they have to do, and they better do this quickly, they have to take some of those captive Ukrainian prisoners, the commanders who made, who, who, who broke down, they have to make tapes of them saying that they're being used as, as meat, as meat buffers or whatever, as pawns, and they have to take, they have to take, get a few prisoners, put them in plain clothes, send them back out to the Russian lines with videos of these commanders, okay? They have to start a propaganda war within the ranks of the Russian military because Putin is solid at home. His weakness is if the battalions turn against him, and all it takes is 
as one charismatic general to, to lead a whole revolution against then he's then he's done at home. Then they will kill him at home. If the military turns against him, they will kill him at home. But he's Larry, solid let me at ask home. you That's let me ask you, do you think that a general would have the guts to do that? First off, even even to his subordinates? Don't you think someone's gonna say, uh, Vladimir, there's this general out here who's doing this? What do you think? I think the general is bonded to his men. If he sees enough men shooting themselves in the leg, a general, don't forget, a general is a leader on his own, okay? Many generals have become president, ran for president, become president. They are leaders on their own, and yes, those are the ones that that make coups generals, you know? That's that's the way it happens. No, that's interesting. Although, Larry, you got to admit, and thanks so much for the call, Larry. You always have great calls. Thanks so much. Although, I don't think there's any general that would say, I'm going to run against Vladimir Putin and knock him out of power. I think they would last about maybe five minutes if that happens. But boy, if they can somehow get the Russians to turn against Putin, that would be a huge key. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love because we always get to honor our great men and women in law enforcement, which I love doing here on the show. Uh, A highlight to an Arkansas police officer who was among those honored this week when the U.S. Department of Justice announced the recipients of the 5th Annual Attorney General's Award for Distinguished Service in Community Policing. Now, this year's award recognizes the exceptional work of 18 law enforcement officers and deputies from 12 jurisdictions around the nation. And among them was Officer Cody Hubbard. He is of the Pottsville Police Department just outside of Little Rock. And in May 2021, Officer Cody Hubbard responded to a call of a cardiac arrest of a three-week-old child who is not breathing. Immediately upon his arrival, the officer began life-saving efforts, started the Heimlich Maneuver, for infants, and the baby soon began to cry and breathe on his own. Hubbard received the uh, department's life-saving award for his actions, which undoubtedly saved the very young child's life. Bravo to him, and of course, bravo to all our great men and women in uniform. We love all of you guys so much. I think about just how heartbreaking the situation is in Ukraine. And tonight we're getting reports that there are more and more strikes taking place all over Ukraine. And again, we are hearing reports that Vladimir Putin is targeting civilians. We heard this week, this week has just been gut-wrenching. I mean, the stories of people that were standing in bread lines, where 10 people were literally shot as they were standing in a bread line to get bread, to get food, because they're starving. Many of them, in in fact, in the southern town of Mariupol, that town has been slaughtered. And it is heartbreaking for me when I see these images. I get so angry and I get so sad and it is gut wrenching. I I just have this churn in my stomach when I see these images. And today there were some images that were released of Mariupol. And if you look at them, it almost looks like a scene out of a movie. You're like, wait a minute. And, And you see the before and after pictures of what that town looked like a month ago. It was beautiful. It was this gorgeous, stunning beautiful city in Ukraine, idyllic, gorgeous. And now it looks like a devastated 
seen out of a movie set, like a horror film. It is desolate. There is smoke everywhere. And in fact, in that particular town, which has just been getting pounded left and right by Vladimir Putin, and I think of these poor people, uh, no food, no water. The buildings there, they are saying some of the estimates that 80 percent of the homes are destroyed in that one city alone. I mean, that is stunning. And those people are still fighting with everything they have. And things are so bad in that town. And if you think there's any shred of decency in Vladimir Putin, and I don't think there is any, but if you think there's one shred, listen to this story of what I heard today, that there are people literally who are fleeing with the shirt on their back from Mariupol because they're trying to get out because the Russians are trying to encircle and not let even anybody out of the town. And the people are trying to run with the shirt on their back, and they are literally getting shot at by the Russians as they are trying to flee the town with their kids. And now there are also stories, and this is amazing. You know, that that's where that theater was, where they leveled that theater, which was just unbelievable. That was marked, and it said children were in the building. There, It was basically a shelter for children and women, pregnant women, that were in this theater in Mariupol. And they wrote in Russian, children on both sides of the theater. In other words, don't bomb this location, Russians. This is where children are. It was targeted by the Russians, we know, earlier this week. And there were said to be anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 people in that theater at the time. It is horrific when you think about what happened. And the Russians still leveled it. And there are people in the rubble. And we heard in the last day or so that they have been able to get some people that are still alive in the rubble. That's unbelievable. After the strike that happened, it took a direct hit. And now there are reports of people that were trying to go in, rescue crews that were trying to go in and to save people in the rubble, women and kids that were in the rubble, and the rescue workers are being shot at by Russians. I mean, these people are just despicable. This is These are animals. These are worse than animals. The fact that rescue workers who are trying to save women and children that are crying out from the rubble, They're getting shot at. They're getting pot shots at them. There is no level. There is no ounce of humanity in the Russians and what I'm hearing tonight. And this is going to get, this is just, it's heartbreaking. And you can tell I'm very emotional when I think about it because I never thought that these people would just have zero soul. It is disgusting. So what do we do to stop this monster? First of all, I contend we got to send the MIGs in, guys. I don't know what we are waiting for. Sneak them in. Do whatever we can to get those MIGs in. We've talked about it on the show. There should be like, you know, I don't care if you put it on the back of a truck in the middle of the night, you know, mark it as, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know. Um, you know, market as uh, Vladimir Putin's stage for his next rally. I don't care. Get those planes in. Get them in. They shouldn't have telegraphed it. They should have gotten them in months ago. But get them in soon. How much more do the Ukrainian people have to take from this monster? Well, earlier today on Cats at Night, General Mike Tracy, Patrick Kimmett, He is the former assistant secretary of state for political military affairs. He was serving under George W. Bush, had this to say that the American people better brace themselves because these pictures that I just talked about and some of the images that are coming out of Mariupol and other places of Ukraine, well, we're going to see more of it, sadly, because this monster is desperate. It's going to get worse before it gets better. If diplomacy doesn't work, um, 
I have been quite um, happily surprised that the Russians are not using as much artillery, rockets, and missiles as I would expect in true siege warfare. Uh, if you take a look at the historical record of, of places like Mosul most recently, they crater the cities in this kind of warfare. It is nasty, brutish, and long. Wow. So it is expected to get worse before it will get better. And then John Katz, the host on Katz at Night, asked General Tracy, what do you think? Is there, are these things really happening? It's like surreal. And take a listen to this exchange. General, um, are they really knocking down those buildings? Are they really shooting buildings with, with our mark that with children in them and, and everything? Or is that fake news on both sides? Uh, no, I think there's some pretty pretty convincing evidence uh, that's coming out of there that, that they are, again, whether it's accidental, incidental, or intentional, it doesn't matter. Uh, I spent 30 years in the military, and we don't do that, and we set our tactical plans with specific restrictions in our plans that we won't come anywhere near uh, civilians, protected sites. We made mistakes a couple of times, but what I'm looking at with the Russians is this is just indiscriminate bombing with the purpose of creating terror inside that city. And there are concerns that indeed it could even get to chemical warfare by Putin because he is getting clearly more and more desperate because of the incredible fight of the Ukrainian people, but how much slaughter do they have to take? Let's give them whatever we can do to help them in this fight. I mean, to me, I don't even know where the debate is. I can't believe that they're parsing hairs. And in fact, I want to play a little exchange. This is with Jen Psaki talking. This She's with Jackie Heinrich. And she's describing Jackie Heinrich, of course, the reporter for Fox News at the White House, asking today, why are you sort of splitting hairs? You're going to give them... Um, drones, unmanned drones uh, that have attack capability essentially to them. You know, why are those okay? And why will you not give them MiGs? Why will you not give the green light to give the Ukrainian people MiGs? What's the difference? Why are you being sort of so PC, politically correct? Take a listen to this exchange. This is with Jackie Heinrich and Jen Psaki. It seems like we're splitting hairs over semantics uh, in terms of how we're classifying some of these weapon systems. And obviously the president's gotten some criticism from both sides of the aisle for even when he takes action, sometimes doing it after there's been a lot of political pressure, uh, for instance, on imposing the sanctions, on sending the stingers and the javelins, on banning Russian oil. So if there's any chance that the U.S. is going to facilitate the transfer of MIGs, in some way. Why not just do it now? Well, I think we've outlined pretty clearly why we've made the decision not to do that, including the fact that they have multiple squadrons of planes that they can utilize, and the fact that, most importantly, the types of assistance that we've been providing, um, anti-armor, anti-tank, anti-missiles, is what is effective in fighting this war on the ground. That is why we've provided that assistance. None of the weapons we've sent to Ukraine could be used to launch an invasion of another of a country like Russia. That's a fact. That's why we call them defensive weapons. That's why the Defense Department calls them defensive defensive weapons. And I would remind everybody that they are the country that are under attack. All right. So they're the country that's under attack. I think we all get that. 
But she's like, well, that's a defensive, although that can be used for attack. Uh, Boy, clearly this president got a message from Vladimir Putin. If you send those MIGs in, well, then guess what? And this president's like, uh, 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 which I think is exactly the way it seems like he handled China. We're going to get to that in the next hour, too, because it sure doesn't sound like he put a spine on in that conversation either. So, boy, has that put us in a very precarious situation. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Charlie in Chester, New Jersey. Charles, what do you think about Vladimir Putin and also just how horrific and, and crazy he has been with targeting women and children? It's despicable. Well, I agree with everything you're saying, Rita, but I think there is a psychology that you have to take into account uh, that the Russians and Chinese need to try to understand. Uh, Men need to uh, sort of feed their masculinity. For instance, the hippies in the 60s preached make love, not war. The Russians and Chinese kind of need to uh, beef up their masculinity, taking into account their women's wishes. So that's what I would say. Wait, 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 Charlie. You sound like yeah. Dr. Ruth right now. We're talking about Russia. Yeah, that's right. You know, you, yeah, but, this, but what? This is like a test. This boy, is this a this. testosterone kick, if that's the case? This is, I've never heard of, uh, who's the guy who does the commercials for the testosterone enhancing drug? You know, it's like, uh, like, yeah, what is it? Thomas, what's his name? Frank Thomas, I think it is, right? I think it's Frank Thomas. What, he should be selling what? Putin, uh, Putin charged, you know, get your testosterone yeah. here. Well, that's, but I believe that's what Putin's trying to do. He's trying to show that the, the Russians are real men. Yeah, but you know what? A real man doesn't attack women and children, Charlie. I mean, you and I know well, better. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, really. He's, he's, he's confused about uh, how to express his masculinity the correct way. Well, I, I, well, here's what I suggest he do. I suggest he goes to a psychologist, gets that all straightened out, and in the meantime stays the heck out of Ukraine. What about that idea, Charlie? That sounds great, Rita. Yeah, thank you. I know you're great. Charlie, you're great. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Let's go to Bob in Queens. Bob, what do you think? Too much testosterone or what? No, here's what I think. He's been threatening us with nuclear weapons. I think it's time to turn the tide and threaten him with nuclear weapons because what's going on is outrageous. Give those people there anything they want, MIGs, give them anything. They have deserved it. They have stood up to this monster, this absolute beast. And it's time for us to go, you know, it's time for us to threaten him with nuclear weapons and, you know, and, and, and so be it whatever happens. That's what I think. Thank you very much. Wow. Bob, thank you. I feel your passion and I, I feel as angry and as just disgusted that this monster has been able to even invade Ukraine and to do this just onslaught that the images are just, it's heartbreaking. It is so hard to see and so hard to hear. Um, So everybody, what do you think? Bob said we should threaten and say, hey, listen, you know what? Uh, You know, call his bluff because clearly he's playing the nuclear card with all of us. And he's also bringing up chemical weapons. He went into Chernobyl. Remember, he went into that other plant. Um, So he's really playing hardball. Is it time that we even verbally play hardball with him? Because we're not even verbally doing it.
um, or is that just way too risky? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Um, let's go to John in Staten Island real quick. John, your thoughts. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, John. Hey, Rita. Um, let's put it this way. I, I see a little bit of a difference here. They, when uh, this situation was happening and, uh, you know, they boxed in Putin the way he did, no doubt he's evil, he's bad. And what happened was when Biden egged him on saying and his administration knew that they were going to attack, but they kept him out shut. And the people in uh, China, I mean, Biden's dealing with somebody in China. China shoots their own people in Hong Kong, and he wants to deal with Iran, which Russia, trying to bring them a nuclear power, where they want to kill America. This is all whacked out, and I'm wondering if it's something to do with, if you ever heard of the World Economic Forum, they were looking for situations to make money. This is not the regular bankers. These are, these are the big guys, the big bankers, and they've seen that a war or the, the pestilence with COVID was trying to bring in a whole brand new system. And it's scary. Well, you know what, you know, you know, what? you know, John, you bring up a great point first off with Iran, because boy, is that a wacky situation that we're hoping that Russia is going to help us negotiate this deal with Iran for a nuclear deal. That's a bad deal to begin with. Um, and second of all, that we're going to trust that we're somehow going to have leverage with Russia to go up against them, of course, on Ukraine. But then we want them to be our friend and we need them, according to Biden um, and Biden sort of groveling to them on this Iran deal. I mean, it, you're right. This is outrageous. And I have never seen such horrible foreign policy and such dismal leadership by an American at a pivotal crisis moment in U.S. history. I mean, in modern times, think about it. Here is a moment where we need somebody who has a backbone and who puts all these people in their place and says, listen, we're the leaders of the free world. We have NATO. I mean, we've got all these people together. We've got this great team and we're acting like, you know, we're acting like the kindergartners of the group, thanks to this president. And it's put us in a horrible situation. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight on The Rita Cosby Show, there are air raid sirens taking place in numerous cities in Ukraine. And apparently, the good news does, it does look like there is some sort of a counteroffensive taking place in the town of Mykolaiv, uh, a strategic port city that the Ukrainians are launching a very strong counteroffensive for weeks. That town has been the front line, basically, with Russian tanks and infantry making incursion into the streets of that southern Ukrainian port city. And now Ukrainian forces are said to be fighting back Big time. We will, of course, keep you posted. But the devastation continues as now we have heard that over a thousand strikes have taken place on a variety of cities in Ukraine since this invasion began. And this is the way a Washington Post photojournalist has described the scene there. It's It's been very difficult to experience. I've never seen such a mass exodus of um, people fleeing um, 
as we are seeing here in Ukraine. I mean, I've seen people of all ages um, carrying their animals, carrying their elderly grandparents. Um, yeah. People are being um, carried uh, across the bridge on stretchers and wheelchairs, using crutches, as you saw in my photograph. And in many cases, those who are fleeing cities are now being shot at, according to reports. And again, in another town, as I was mentioning, in Mariupol, this story to me is just epitomizes the ruthlessness and the animal instincts. I can't even call them human beings of the Russian troops that are out there at Putin's orders and at the theater in Mariupol that was leveled by a strike, which was filled with children and women. And there are some survivors from that strike. They said there were about 1,000 to 1,500 people inside. And there are a few survivors and some people who have been trying to scream out from help under the rubble when rescue workers have been trying to get to the location, Ukrainian rescue workers trying to free them. Amazingly, that people survive this. They are being shot at by Russians. How disgusting And how inhumane are these people? We have to stop this evil, you guys. We have to give the Ukrainians whatever they need to end this because this guy is not going to stop with Ukraine. That's my feeling, guys. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anna in New York. Anna, your thoughts about this? Hi there. Uh, Like everyone else, so disgusted at what's going on here. What I don't understand, maybe you can explain to me, that... Why can't we go against them and bring our troops in and stuff, go through Odessa and take the Russians down already? Why is it going to start a World War III? I'm not getting that. You mean our troops, our American troops on the ground? Well, NATO in general, bring everybody in. This way everybody's at fault, no? Well, you know, the problem is, Anna, I think the minute you start doing that and then people will definitely start a war with, you know, there's, I think, zero you know, probability it would not. Um, and these people are ruthless. Do you want to start seeing American casualties? Um, and because there will be many, you know, these people are are ruthless fighters. The Russians, the Ukrainians, uh, are certainly giving them a run for their money. And I'm happy, so happy to see that. The world's happy to see that. But if we start sending in NATO troops, it is really going to get ugly. And then who knows who else the Russians are going to bring in. The Russians are even talking about bringing in uh, reports are the Chechens coming in. And then they're saying they're bringing in some from a Russian base in Armenia. I was just reading a little bit ago. I mean, they're stepping up the offensive. But if that comes in, it will truly be. And I don't I don't think. America's ready to handle that. And I don't I think a lot of people in the world would not be ready to handle that. But I hear you. I feel like the emotion in me wants to send every single thing, including that. But I think the minimum we should do is at least send MIGs. That's my feeling. Real quick, let's go to JC in Stroudsburg. JC, real th- real quick, your thoughts. Uh, my thoughts are uh, we got to give them everything they need. Um, but uh, everybody, you, you got to understand that this is this whole situation is just so complex. They waited so long to give uh, give them anything, and on top of that, like they are they are evil, and he's the master of evil. But Absolutely, and JC, you hit it on the head because it is so complex. We should have sent in stuff earlier. We should have maybe prevented it by doing that and said to Putin, "Don't even think about coming into Ukraine." When we come back, Gordon Chang about Biden's call with China. Feisty, fearless, and fair. 
She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show on this Friday night. And Ukraine getting some good word, not from America, on some of these anti-aircraft defense systems that they really want, but getting it from Slovakia. Slovakia just basically saying that they are offering Ukraine these S-300s that are sort of like the Patriot missile systems. These are the Russian ones um, that are expected to be very, very effective at knocking down missile strikes coming in. Um, So that could be very, very effective against what they are seeing and experiencing from the Russians, which keep pounding so much of the country of Ukraine. Uh, Other countries like Bulgaria and others saying that they will actually help replace those missile systems, those anti-aircraft defense systems for Slovakia with patriots. So sort of working a deal that, listen, Slovakia, if you give them to Ukraine, we'll give you more updated systems, but hurry up and give them to Ukraine in the meantime. So it looks like a lot of different countries are trying to find ways to bring military aid to Ukraine. Meantime, also a new report coming in uh, that the Russians are suffering severe punishment for their war on Ukraine. Uh, as Vladimir Putin is out there at the rally pumping his chest and saying how great things are, uh, a new report saying that 28,000 troops from Russia have either been killed, wounded, or captured. In Ukraine, that's a big number, 28,000, according to a series of different reports. And let's just hope that that message gets back to the motherland of Russia and that they hopefully stop this terrible offensive against Ukraine. Meantime, this could explain why Russia is now reaching out to so many other countries and saying, hey, come help us. Come bring maybe either enforcements Come help bring some money in because of all the different sanctions that are taking place. And today there was a very dramatic call, or it could have been dramatic. How's that? Uh, Between President Biden and Xi Jinping, the president of China. The call lasted. It was a video call. It lasted about two hours. And even before the call China came out and talk about an embarrassment, I think, to the United States. Here it is. China comes out even before the call and tweets out basically saying America is on the wrong side of history. Are you kidding me? You know, they're basically aligning themselves with Russia. There's so many reports that they've been friends all along, which we know. There's been reports that... You know, China basically said to Vladimir Putin, hey, could you wait to invade until after the Olympics so we could have a really good Olympics for the world and show the world how wonderful and great we are? Forget about the Uyghurs. But anyway, you know, can you just kind of pretend like things are great in Russia and we don't oppress our own people? And then you can go in and invade Ukraine afterwards. And so we know that there's a relationship with China and Russia. And there are so many reports of late that we are hearing that China has been, you know, kind of amicable with Russia in terms of the war on Ukraine. And in fact, in a report after the phone call, a Chinese official called it 
um, called it an in crisis, basically, said it's a crisis that's happening in Ukraine. They would not use the word invasion by Russia. Does that show where they're coming from? Oh, it's a crisis in Ukraine. Not to the people of Ukraine. It's a war against them. It's a slaughter against them. And yet Russia is trying to kind of play it coy, have it both ways. And so what does our president do? He gets on the phone, and even by the White House's own account, he didn't really let him have it. He just kind of said, here's some of the repercussions, but got no reassurance, no validation whatsoever No confirmation that Russia would butt out and not help, not be helped by China. None whatsoever. He's on the phone with the leader of China, and he basically has kind of a, even by the White House's own account, a very docile conversation. Take a listen to how Circle Baksaki describes the call today. President Biden wasn't making specific requests of China. Why not, given the stakes here? Because China has to make a decision for themselves about where they want to stand uh, and how they want the history books to uh, look at them and view their actions. Uh, And uh, that is a decision for President Xi and the Chinese to make. That's a decision. In other words, we really didn't do anything, not this president, to change his mind. And here's a little bit more, because clearly reporters were like, well, didn't the president get some insurance from him? Didn't he get, he's talking to the leader for two hours, didn't he get some sort of confirmation, even if it's not going to be true, but he didn't even verbally say, I'm not going to help Russia. Here he is on the on a call. This is probably one of the most historic, important calls. And he doesn't get an assurance from the leader of China that he's going to butt out and not help Russia. Because if they come in, boy, are things going to get really ugly and really difficult and talk about escalation. But here's the reporters going, so what was the purpose of the call, Circle Baksaki? So can you offer any explanation for why the U.S. still has concerns after this call? Because we'll we'll continue to watch until uh, we see what actions they take or don't take. And James Carafano with the Heritage Foundation said this was a disaster of a call. This was laughable. This was a this was a meeting that accomplished nothing. Biden did it just to look presidential. He got nothing out of this. Uh, Xi did it because it gave him a chance to poke this. But this is this is reflective of all these conversations going on between all these leaders. They're just talking to each other. They don't. None of them have a plan. The plan ended three weeks ago. Everybody is making it up as going along. And I think we should be worried about our president as being the worst. He's just having conversations to prove that he's relevant. That is nonsense. What a disaster. And boy, is that scary. And what a lost opportunity for the world. And joining us now to talk about all of this is Asia expert Gordon Chang with the London Center for Policy Research. Gordon, what was your reaction um, to what seems like they didn't make any headway after this call? My reaction was the same as Jim Carafano's. Um, You know, we can have all these conversations with China. We can issue warnings. And it's not just Biden. It's his predecessors who've done the same thing. But our presidents have rarely followed up and imposed costs on the Chinese. So we've taught them to ignore our warnings. And so Xi Jinping today could hear Biden say, well, this is the consequences if you help Russia. And, and I'm sure that there was a big yawn at the, on uh, Xi Jinping's point uh, side because he realizes this is more of just the same. We're not going to get 
anywhere until we impose crippling sanctions on China and give the Chinese an incentive to do the right thing. Until then, as Carafano says, this is just a big waste of time. And, you know, um, we're talking to the great Asia expert, Gordon Chang. And, Gordon, thank you so much for being with us, too, on a Friday night, too. We always love your perspective. Um, You know, even China had the audacity to blame us for the invasion of Ukraine. I, I mean, and then basically even went even further and said, don't really think about trying to do anything to stop us with Taiwan. I mean, it looks like China's calling the shots, not President Biden in any form. Yes, and, and you got to remember that but if you look at the metrics, we're a much more powerful society than China, especially now with China going through a debt crisis and stagnant economy and all the rest of it. And, and yet they're, the Chinese just look at us and laugh. This is the same thing that happened just before the invasion of Ukraine. You had the U.S., the uh, 27 nations of the European Union, Great Britain, Combine all those economies, that's more than 25 times the size of Russia's. We issue warnings, and the Russians don't take us seriously, and they invade. Massive failure of deterrence. We can expect maybe the same thing with the Chinese, that they're just not going to listen to the warnings from President Biden because they know that he's feeble. That's my question. You talked about the feebleness. How much do you think his lack of sort of backbone— Um, There was even, by the way, Russia was even kind of mocking him, the Kremlin, um, calling him irritable, calling him forgetful. They're mocking him, you know, and you're hearing the same sort of it feels like the same sort of rhetoric coming from China. Yes. And and, um, that's the problem. Um, You know, if you make a big mistake, Afghanistan, then you're going to have another one because people like Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping are going to take advantage of weakness. This is just a history lesson that goes back not only decades, but centuries. So that's what we're seeing right now. And until Biden decides to start using American power, we're going to have more buckles, one right after the other. What a lost opportunity to Gordon, too, because even by the White House's own account, they said, OK, we talked about what the consequences would be. That's what Biden reportedly said. And even even when you hear Jen Psaki describe it, they sound weak. And and then, of course, reporters said, well, you know, why do you still seem concerned? It was obviously obvious that you didn't get any assurance. You know, isn't it staggering to you that any American president would be on the phone with the leader of China? I could pull a second grader, you know, off the street of New York and they would say, you know, would you promise not to come in to this battle with Russia? Will you promise to do the right thing and, and not, you know, help this horrible, evil regime? It's a basic question. And it doesn't sound like he even asked the question, Gordon. Yeah, I mean, right now, um, it's just not worth talking to the Chinese. Remember, on Monday, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan had that intense, as it was described, intense meeting with Yang Jiaxue, who is China's top diplomat. And this was in Rome. And, you know, we didn't get anywhere there. So the question is, why do we continue talking to the Chinese? This is really counterproductive. What we really need to do is impose those sanctions, and then the Chinese will come to want to speak to us. Until that happens, this is just very, very bad for us, because as time goes on, more Ukrainians die, more children are killed, and, you know, Biden just sits in the White House 
ineffectively, you know, mouthing these words. And, you know, also, we were also, remember, kind of giving Chinese intel. Remember early on, like we were trying to kind of get them on our side. They it, it, Talk about sort of naivete also at that moment early on. And they were in turn giving it over to the Russians. Remember early on in the war? Yes. Well, this was uh, this was before the war. Actually. That's right. That's right. It was before and, it. Exactly. That's right. This was the New York Times reporting, um, and it's credible, that uh, we gave our intelligence to China in the hopes that it would convince the Chinese to do the right thing with the Russians and try to get them not to invade. And and this was naive, considering all that we knew at that time. And so, you know, this is just... this, this is wrong. You know, we've had three decades of this, and we have American presidents thinking they can work with China, and the Chinese just are hostile. And, and it's, it's really, they fool us, but it's, it's now on us because we've been fooled so many times. Do you think we would learn? And what kind of stakes would happen? Uh, I just want you to share with everybody, uh, Gordon Chang, if China did step in, because, boy, would that be horrific for the Ukrainians and for the world. Yes, and, and it's not just China aiding the Russians. Um, it's China going after its victims, India, Japan, the Philippines, Taiwan, you know, any of those countries to its south and its eastern peripheries. Um, so this is basically World War Three. You talk about the stakes. Well, the stakes are World War Three. Wow. Really serious stuff. Um, Gordon Chang, thank you so much for being with us. I always love your perspective, and thank you for being with us here on a Friday night, too, my friend. Thank you, Rita. Thank you. Really important stuff. Everybody, what do you think? As these things get complex, and as you just heard from Gordon, talking about what was truly a lackluster call between President Biden and the leader of China, who sounds like he is doing more circles than circle back sake around Biden. I mean, this is a disaster. And this comes as even the Kremlin is mocking Joe Biden. Uh, Here's Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov. He's the one who sort of always speaks for uh, Putin all the time. He says, given such irritability from Mr. Biden, his fatigue and sometimes forgetfulness, that could lead to sometimes his aggressive statements. Like they're just mocking him, saying he's Joe Biden aggressive. First of all, that's a new one. Uh, forgetful, I could agree with that part. But they're also mocking him and saying, this is not basically a leader that we respect. And so is China. This is putting us in a dangerous situation. Um, let's go to Jacqueline in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Jacqueline. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Uh, first of all, Gordon is always the go-to source regarding China. He always tells you the truth, the facts, and gives you the real story. Um, In my opinion, like many of your callers have said over the past several evenings, um, this is a genocide. It's an ethnic and national cleansing. Putin admitted it himself the other day. He actually used those specific words. Um, The one thing that I haven't heard people talk about, the mainstream media, and I watch a lot of Catholic uh, television and I get a lot of my news from Catholic television, there's also an underlying religious component to this. Um, the Russian Archbishop Kirill, he seems to have Putin's ear, and by no means is that man a Christian because he's not condemning Putin for what he's doing. I know exactly what you're talking about, by the way, um, and, and I'll let you finish, Jacqueline. But the fact that that guy, he doesn't seem like Christian at all. I know exactly. It's like what is this guy? At first, I thought, oh, good, maybe there's someone with a voice of reason who can get to Putin, but he sounds like he's like a Putin puppet. 
And I, I, in my opinion, I, I was kind of on the fence like a lot of other people were. I've d- decided that I do not think Putin has lost his mind. He knows exactly what he's doing very well, and he is not going to stop. He's taking advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with uh, Mr. Biden in the White House, and this is very much like Hitler and the Holocaust. You know, it, it's funny. The world swore we would never allow something like this to happen again. And here we are with innocent people being bombarded. And like September 11th, when the first plane hit, we thought it was an accident. But when the second plane hit, we all knew it was terrorism. So these uh, residential areas and these hospitals and all these places, you make a mistake once. Maybe you make a mistake twice. These are not mistakes. Yeah, they're not, especially, and Jacqueline, really powerful, too, because you're right. It's like, first of all, they're writing children on both sides of that theater. And then what kind of a human being, first of all, takes that strike, knowing that they're kids inside and women? And then what kind of a human being shoots at rescue workers trying to pull people out from under the rubble? It is disgusting. Um, it is cold. It's calculating. And I agree with you. This is strategic, and he is taking advantage of weakness in our presidency and in the world and saying, we're going to go for it. And this is this is his mindset. It's this sort of uh, Hitler-like with that verbiage, too, which is really frightening. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. As the strikes are continuing over Ukraine, some scary assessments coming from the United States about the state of mind of Vladimir Putin, the head of the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency in the United States, saying that as Russia is weakening through the war, because they are definitely taking a lot longer than they ever expected to make it to the capital city and also suffering lots of losses. As I just said, we were reporting, according to one report, 28,000 Russian troops killed, wounded or captured in Ukraine. The head of the Defense Intelligence Agency telling Congress just a little bit ago that as Russia is weakening, that there is intelligence And information suggesting that he may rely on chemical weapons or using nuclear strength. That is a scary premise. And we have, of course, heard Vladimir Putin talking about consequences, quote, that they have never seen in their history to anybody who would interfere with the war on Ukraine. And many are interpreting that rhetoric along with other intelligence they're getting that he may get desperate as time goes on. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Bayonne, New Jersey. Go ahead, John. Your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, John. How are you doing, Rita? Okay. Good. I'm doing well, but it's boy, it's scary to talk about this stuff. And sadly, yeah, this guy's got a track record, John. I mean, he's he's done some crazy things with chemical weapons before. Now, it may be minor, but I was just thinking if they do send those MiG-29s in, into the Ukraine, I hope they take the Polish insignia off, uh, off first, because otherwise it would seem like like Poland Poland is going into the into the Ukraine. 
You know what? You bring up a great point because that's why, by the way, that Poland and specifically wanted to have a go to Ramstein Air Base for first. They didn't want to look like they were the only ones going it alone because just like you said, they did not want to be targeted. Um, let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts real quick, Stan. Uh, where is Anatoly Sharansky? Where is uh, the former prime minister uh, of the Soviet Union, who is alive today and who broke up the Soviet Union? Gorbachev. You're talking about yeah. Gorbachev? I mean, he's alive. Yeah. He's still around. I hear nothing from him. Anatoly Sharansky's in Israel. Yep. yep. Uh, by the so- way, you, you know what's interesting, Stan? I actually thought about Gorbachev, too, because he hasn't said anything. I mean, he's an older guy now, um, but um, you're right. It would sure make a powerful statement to hear from someone like that. That's a great point. We need some of these people to step in and say, enough. Russian people do not do this. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. How do we stop a madman when they're worried now about chemical weapons and potential nukes? Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a 97-year-old lifelong New Mexico resident who served in the U.S. Army during World War II was recognized for his service. Florentino Pacheco was honored by members of the Daughters of the American Revolution, and he was a paratrooper with the 101st Airborne Division during the war, and after His Army training in Mineral Wells, Texas, he was transferred to Fort Benning, Georgia, and then to Whittier and Anchorage, Alaska. Pancheco had trained with a glider unit that was designed to fly materials and soldiers into the war zone in World War II. And military service is a big tradition, by the way, in his family. His older brother served in the Philippines during World War II and was a two-time Purple Heart recipient. And his younger brother, Sammy, served in Korea and was a two-time Bronze Star recipient and a two-time Purple Heart recipient. So what an amazing and great patriotic family. Well, we are talking about the battle in Ukraine by the brutal Russian forces tonight. Uh, More air raid sirens, more pounding taking place on many cities, particularly those in the south. Also, Odessa, which is a big, big port city, getting definitely a pummeling. And we're also hearing that a number of Russian ships are coming closer and closer to the shoreline there uh, and looking to be a major strike happening. And we'll, of course, keep you posted as we get details on that. Meantime, we do a weekly podcast, and I love this. It is called Protecting America. And nothing more important, of course, than protecting the homeland. And that's why people are so focused, of course, on what's happened overseas, because that obviously could bring in the homeland. And we certainly have gotten involved with financial aid and military aid to Ukraine. And, of course, many of our military members are over there helping on the NATO countries, on the sidelines right there near, you know, Ukraine, and also helping with refugees as well. But I talked 
in the latest podcast edition. Again, Protecting America. You can get it wherever you get your your podcasts, wherever the different areas that you can download them. Um, you can also go to RitaCosbyOnline.com, RitaCosbyOnline.com. Also, my Twitter feed, at Rita Cosby, because we also put up the latest episode there. But I interviewed Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. He was in the U.S. Army for 36 years. He's one of the original members of that elite Delta Force. Those are those like, you know, super duper great guys, uh, special forces guys, one of the original members. And we talked about Russia, Ukraine. We had a really powerful discussion. You got to listen to the whole thing. But here is a little glimpse because he said, you know what? It is time that this president, our president, has to get a backbone and really get tough with Putin because it is getting atrocious. And according again to numerous reports, Putin is going to get worse before he gets better with the Ukrainian people. I can't imagine it getting worse because he's just been brutal. I mean, horrible is what we've seen with women and children. But he says it is time to really get tough physically and also verbally with Putin. Take a listen. Here's part of that podcast. What about what we're seeing outside of that country, too, as well? Because, boy, have we seen just a brutal week in Ukraine. The targeting of people, General Boykin, who are on a bread line. The targeting of that theater where it was clearly marked that it was a place for children. There were women and children inside that theater. What do you make of this just unspeakable brutality by Putin? It's diabolical. I mean, it is absolutely diabolical. What kind of person would order that, what we're seeing there, What kind of person would order a a hospital to be bombed? What kind of person would order people standing in a bread line to be bombed? It makes absolutely no sense from a rational perspective. But the point is, this guy is an evil, evil man. And the sooner we accept that there is good and evil in this world, and he represents evil, the better off we're going to be in trying to understand this. He's just pure evil. He is just pure evil. And he said, here's a little bit more of how he thinks we should handle Putin and his thoughts about him. You say give him the MiG jets. Of course, Poland has even offered it. We know that Biden said that the U.S. doesn't want to touch it or play a role. They keep claiming that it would escalate things and not necessarily change the fight for Ukraine. But a lot of people disagree. Obviously, you do too, right? I totally disagree. And let me just say this. First of all, what are we afraid of? What is this all this about escalation? What are we afraid of? Are we afraid of an army that for 22 days has been a miserable failure? An army of conscripts that are abandoning their posts, that are leaving their vehicles, sitting in the middle of the road and, and trying to find refuge or surrendering to the Ukrainians? What are we afraid of? Is nuclear weapons? Well, guess what? There are three, maybe four countries sitting on his border there that also have nuclear weapons. Is he really that stupid to make a, you know, force us to make a parking lot out of Moscow? So I think that it's time that we put him on the defensive. And so I asked a lot of you also online, what should we do right now? How should we react to the fact that the Kremlin's been stepping up its rhetoric? And a number of you are saying, hey, what we should do is change presidents. That's what one of you said. And a number of others on my Twitter, again, at Rita Cosby, someone saying, with the current administration, I think the U.S. just needs to hold tight. We aren't in a situation to even take care of ourselves. So what do you think we should do? You just heard what General Boykin, who's been in many a war zone, thinks we should do. Is it time 
that we need to really get tough because, boy, if Putin starts using chemical weapons, which he has done, he did it in Aleppo, Syria, is this a time where we have to make sure that he does not do this to the world? We don't want to react after the fact, after he does something as horrible and as abominable as that. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1 800 848 9222. 1 800 848 9222. Let's go to uh, Jimmy in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Jim. Your thoughts about all this. I, I want to talk uh, earlier today. You played a clip and you said one of the Chinese leaders talked about the uh, getting on the right side of history. This is a point people have to understand. Basic Marxism, they believe in the stages of development, how you go from slavery to feudalism to socialism, no, excuse me, to capitalism, then socialism, then communism. They also believe in the historical process. It could not be stopped. It's the natural course. It's like trying to stop the tide. So when he says the Chinese communist leaders talks about the, hist- about the right side of history, that means back on the track toward communism. Our side doesn't even understand basic Marxism. When you talk about China and Russia, it's just as easy to say we talk to the communists here to help us with the communists there. Communists work together. China and Russia have been together, America too, 100 years between the communist parties. So you have the government level, you have the media level, but the level that's really important is the communist parties, how they all work together. I, so I ha- so how do you break that. it, Jim? Because, boy, the last thing you want is them, and I hear what you're saying, the, the, you know, philosophically, but the last thing we want is them militarily, and who knows what they are doing, because we probably don't know half of what they're doing behind our backs, but the last thing we want them to do is partnering up so the Russian military gets in and the Russian finances get in. My God. They are partners. They could have riots in every city in America. They prove that. They could topple the president here. They did that. They proved that. I have stuff I photocopied. I promised you a while back. I've been too busy. I got so much stuff. I got to put the so, job. But Jim, 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 put your copier aside. Where do you see this headed? Well, Emotionally, we do all we can to defeat the Russians. Okay, that's emotionally. I'm not enough. Everybody has opinions. I'm not a military guy to be sure. It's just my emotions. But one thing we have to do is understand the enemy. They understand us. We don't understand them. They have foundations that do nothing but study America. There's another one that just studies the Orient. So they make plans. They're able to pull and push within America with the exert. This whole thing about he's fighting fascism, that's what the Democrat Party says in America. We have to fight and defeat the radical right. The Communist Party in America is very influential. It's in the Democrat Party now. The schools, the media, 60 genders, that's all from the communist movement connected to the Soviets, to Red China. People don't understand it because it's hard to believe. The stuff I send you from the enemy, after you see it, you might want to go out on a ledge. I've been tempted a few times myself. Well, listen, after after listening to Vladimir Putin today, I think we all feel like going after a ledge because that guy is nuts. And, and, you know, Jimmy, you've been talking about communism and, you know, this kind of policy, this socialist policy. Uh, so much of it we are seeing now across the country, and a lot of it deals with crime, too. And that's one of the issues. And I, I want to, as we close tonight, I want to talk about this topic because I could not believe this. Um, some of these left-wing 
mayors across the country are pushing these like, you know, soft on crime policies, definitely soft on criminal policies. And one of them is London Breed in San Francisco. And what's been amazing, Jimmy, is this is a woman who, when everything was coming out, um, you know, oh, yes, you know what? Uh, we have to go easy on criminals. We have to do this. We have to do that. It's sort of that, you know, that sort of definitely, you know, part of the squad mentality. And then she changed her tune. Then in December, she came out and said, oh, no, crime is so bad in San Francisco. You know, oh, we have to, you know, we're definitely going to start supporting our police. We're going to start helping. We're going to start doing a whole bunch of stuff. And then now in the last few days, she's saying all these people talking about a rise in crime and all these things. Now she's having she's like a schizophrenic. She's going back. And now she is saying that it is all right wing propaganda, that this is all made up. All these high crime numbers that we're seeing across the country are all just sort of made up. They're all facetious. They're all just sort of, you know, make believe by the right wing media out to get the Democrats. This is such a bunch of hogwash. And it goes to a little bit of the politics that you were just talking about, Jimmy. Here is London Breed talking. This is the mayor of San Francisco, where crime is skyrocketing. And she has the audacity to say this. You see one video take off as if it's, you know, there's a lot of noise about what's happening in our city. You see it in the headlines, often in the right-wing media. They love to talk about San Francisco, don't they? You see it on social media. You see one video take off as if it's telling the whole truth about who we are. I know it's challenging with all that noise to really understand what's happening. It's easy to fixate on the problems. And to be clear, I'm definitely focused on the problems. But today, I really want to talk about what's possible. Hope. Hope for a better future for our city. Hope for a better future for our city. So the right-wing media is just taking those images of the skyrocketing crime that's happening, whether it's in New York or whether it's happening in Philly or whether it is happening in San Francisco or Los Angeles. It's all just made up by the media. All those numbers are inflated. Are you kidding me? Anybody who walks out on the street of New York or in Newark or anywhere, you know, Nashville, all these different cities across the country, we're seeing the numbers skyrocket. You can see it for yourselves. And the NYPD and the different police departments across the country see the numbers. We're living them. And yet London Breed now suddenly is flipping and flopping. So why do you think she changed? It's really interesting because before in December, she was like, oh, gosh, crime is so bad. We need police. After all, we need this. We need to help. We need to do this. And now she's saying, oh, no, this is all just made up. This is all just a bunch of created by the right wing media. Well, here's a little bit. I want to play Judge Janine because this is what Judge Janine had to say about that. Is she schizo? You know, at one point it was like Black Lives Matter. We got to make sure, you know, we, they have social justice. Then it's like the reign of criminals has to end. Then it's the right wing media's fault. No, it's not. 
Read the statistics. That's all I have to say. And you know what? I was in San Francisco not that long ago, yeah. and I was I was afraid. And the Tenderloin District, people are dying all the time because they're doing cocaine. Not the cocaine kills them, but because of the fentanyl that they're putting in the cocaine that's coming from China in an undeclared war as it comes through the border. And by the Mexican cartel. That's all I have to say. Yeah. That's all she has to say. Judge Jeanine just kind of throws it all out there. But what a bunch of hogwash that this is created by the right-wing media. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Westchester, New York. John, your thoughts about this. Come on. This is this is so ridiculous. Well, Rita, the New York Post posted an uh, article about a month ago that stated that the Working Families Party put out a questionnaire for all candidates seeking their endorsement. And part of that questionnaire, they had to swear that they would not change bail reform. Yeah, and by the way, that has still been a huge issue of contention. Uh, You know, a number of Democrats are saying we want to change that, but the New York State Assembly is saying, you know what, we don't see that changing. Um, And you're right, a number of people in the Democratic Party are saying, "Uh uh-oh, we're not going to change it. But then I think a number of them are trying to inch towards it because they know that the general public doesn't want it. If you see all these polls, John, so many people want, you know, want changes in the bail reform. They don't want these people to walk, you know, and get a slap on the wrist and walk free. Um, And I think they're looking at the poll numbers and a lot of these, especially politicians that are up for election, suddenly they're having an epiphany. Uh, But not her. She's blaming it all on, you know, she's blaming it on the media. I mean, this is like desperation city, John. They're like all over the place. And, you know, at least, you know, it's interesting, at least some of the members of the squad, I'll give them credit. They just kind of stay true to uh, no cash bail and they haven't changed. At least they're sticking to their motto, you know. I mean, but but you're right. Where where do you see it going, John, real quick? Uh, I'm not sure what I follow Twitter all the time with some of these uh, local New York Assembly members, and uh, I think Governor Hochul tried to do something with bail reform just recently, and Working Families Party came out and trashed her for it, and all these local uh, state assembly members, New York State Assembly members, are jumping on the bandwagon, so... I'm not sure where this is going to land in New York. Yeah, no, you're right. You hit it exactly on the head because, and John, thanks for the call. She was trying to make some changes and and let's see if she can be effective because I think cooler and reasonable heads need to prevail. It doesn't make sense to have these people walking the street. So when we come back, everybody, what do you make of the San Francisco mayor now saying, I don't, I don't know what these police are talking about and citizens. What are you talking about with these escalating numbers? It's all made up by the media. Do you really think so? 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And everybody, this is continuing coverage as rockets continue to rain on Ukraine, as we are speaking again in Odessa, we are getting reports that Russian ships are coming closer. And of course, stay tuned to this station for all the latest developments, because it may be a very sadly difficult uh, weekend in Ukraine, as it looks like Russia is stepping up its attacks. Uh, Well, speaking of other things that we're talking about, crime is on the rise across the country in so many cities, including in San Francisco. 
And that's why not too long ago, this is in December, and this is Cut 19, where Mayor London Breed was talking about how bad crime is in her city. She is a Democrat, very much very liberal, and made a lot of headlines because it was like, God, crime is so bad. Even she was admitting it back then and talking about how we should not be defunding the police, that we need police support. Take a listen to London Breed again just back in December. And it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies, and less tolerant of all the bullshit that has destroyed our city. Angry. Saw the crime skyrocketing. Guess what? All those different tent cities, the Tenderloin District, uh, where they're shooting up and lots of reports. Still bad. Some of the numbers still definitely well into the double digits. And she even admitted when she said that at the time that this wasn't necessarily going along with everybody in her party. Take a listen. What I'm proposing today and what I will be proposing in the future will make a lot of people uncomfortable. And I don't care. At the end of the day, the safety of the people of San Francisco is the most important thing to me. And we are past the point where what we see is even remotely acceptable. So why is she changing her tune now, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Why is she now suddenly saying, you know, crime is really not that bad. And she's actually blaming it on right-wing media. Sounds like somebody got to her. Take a listen. You see one video take off as if it's, you know, there's a lot of noise about what's happening in our city. You see it in the headlines, often in the right wing media. They love to talk about San Francisco, don't they? You see it on social media. You see one video take off as if it's telling the whole truth about who we are. I know it's challenging with all that noise to really understand what's happening. It's easy to fixate on the problems. And to be clear, I'm definitely focused on the problems. But today, I really want to talk about what's possible. Hope. Hope for a better future for our city. I want to focus on positive. I don't want to focus on crime. So who got to her in between her first statements back Many months ago, then she suddenly had an epiphany, which was the writing was so clear that crime was so bad in San Fran and in so many other cities. By the way, things are so bad, even in L.A., the D.A. there, George Gascon, who, by the way, at one point was a police chief in San Francisco, and then the D.A. in San Francisco, he's now doing stories about how to avoid uh, being robbed at gunpoint in your car. He's, you know, he's telling, but he's saying the best thing to do is stay away from bullets. The best thing to do is lock your car. Uh, It's like 101. But why has she changed her tune now? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pamela in central Jersey. Pamela, why do you make the San Fran mayor suddenly is trying to blame crime on the media of all things, Pam? Well, she detoured from the communist line. And so she was duly reprimanded. So she had to make it back on the highway of communism. Like Jimmy says, you know, we've got a serious problem in this country. So we better start focusing on this country. 
before we look anywhere else. We can't help others when we can't help ourselves. You know, you bring up a really powerful point because she clearly did deviate and somebody gave her, uh, you know, a, a wake up call and said, ah, 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 and uh, we do have a lot of problems here in our country. Boy, are things a mess. And also, I think a lot of this is sheer politics, guys, too. And it's a reminder that you got to get to the voting booth in November and vote people that do not agree with our policies out. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 